Are you suffering from back pain? Well, I've got the thing just for you. 15 surefire tips for relieving back pain, plus 192 others just in case, volume 1, available at Amazon.com. Over 30 million Americans are suffering with back pain at this very moment. The vast majority of these cases are either caused or exacerbated by common lifestyle factors. Many of the same factors may be causing you pain right now. Join board-certified physician Andrew Kirshner as he guides you through the parts of your life where these problems occur and gives you simple, safe and effective solutions for these common daily pitfalls. In this fun and informative book, you will learn how to identify the aspects of your life which may be causing you pain, how to create a back-friendly environment, how you can improve your pain by improving your sleep, ways to make a pain-free commute, how you can perform daily activities without making your pain worse, and much more. Andrew Kirshner is so well respected in the field of back pain relief. He has you know, famous clients such as DJ Jazzy Jeff. He has done uh, many talks and lectures at universities in the UK. He has appeared on QVC demonstrating back pain relief products and that is because he is an expert in his field and people trust him. Also check out the 5 star reviews on Amazon.com. This is the book that you need if you suffer from back pain. That's 15 surefire tips for relieving back pain plus 192 others just in case volume 1 available at Amazon.com in paperback. Check the link below the show for more information. Just when you thought that there were already too many podcasts in the world. Here comes another one. Everyone's a fruit and nutcase. Crazy for the sun, ripened raisins. Plump and fruity. Boy, what a cutie. Funky, chunky almonds. They're the secret of my beauty. Ah! Everyone's a fruit and nutcase. Maybe it's a tasty Cadbury's chocolate. Give it an ovation. Meow. What a combination. Cadbury's fruit and does he think he is? Come around here with his bloody podcasts. So this week on Pablo's Poppin' Podcast, it is a crowdfunder special. Um, I like to do these once in a while to try and help out friends if I can, because friends have helped me out with projects many a time. And if I can do even the smallest thing to help a friend with their project, then you know that I get a I get a great deal of satisfaction from that. And you know, I hopefully it exposes new listeners and new you know, subscribers to a project that you may not have known about in the past. So with me, I have a very good friend who was with me, um, I think, all the way back on episode three of Pablo's Poppin' Podcast. Uh, it's MJ Dixon, the uh, horror director and very, very good friend. So how are you doing today, sir? I'm, I'm good. How are you? I'm I'm good. Like trying to do introductions on the fly is like you'd think after two years I'd be better at it. But um... no, you, did, you did a great job. Was that a great okay? job? <laughs> and and I, and I like that you brought up the classic episode three of Pablo's Pop and Podcast. Podcast. Oh, yeah. You know. Oh, it's, it's, um, went, it's uh, went went down in infamy. You know. Um... You know. It is. Uh, it is. It is now. It's featured on many best of albums. <laughs> um, you know. 
in, in many ways is my claim to fame. Oh, well, well, you know, I, I, I don't want to, um, <clears throat> I don't want to brag too much, but every uh, crowdfunder special that I've done has resulted in a successful crowdfunder. The fact that well, you've already overtaken your goal, I'm, I'm, we're just going to forget that for the time being. And, well, uh, it, it may be because you offered to do a podcast. Obviously, people heard about it, and that was enough. Maybe. Maybe, yeah. Um, <laughs> well, th- this is um, this is on Indiegogo, and you um, had a goal of two thousand pounds. And I mean, congratulations, you've you've surpassed that. Uh, with Thank six you. Da- with six days to go, you're at two thousand six hundred pounds. And um, you, this is like a new thing that I've I've never been aware of, but they've introduced this since then. Stretch goals. Um, which like you know, I'm I'm old. I like I've haven't done a Kickstarter for a little while, uh, or anything like that. So you have a stretch goal of three thousand pounds, where you are offering uh, free art prints for every backer. Uh, which, yes, which is right. which is really cool. So this is, I mean, this isn't your first uh, crowdfunder, is it? No, I think I can't remember how many we've done now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh God, Christ! Um, I think this is our. I want to say our fourth. Right. It could be more. It could be more than that. I'm. I'm. Look. It might be our fifth. Yeah, I think it's our fifth one that we've done. And and you still um, have a full full head of hair, and you haven't had a heart I attack d- yet. And- well, I, I mean, we we say that, but um, I'm now I now wear a toupee, <laughs> and um, I'm constantly hooked up to a a saline drip to keep me alive. Uh, uh- with with the uh, first Kickstarter, because like, uh, uh, did you always go through Kickstarter or was it always Indiegogo? Are they more film friendly? Well, we always we all we went through Indiegogo at first because um, Kickstarter didn't used to support British the British pound that the classic Brit the classic British pound yeah, um, and that was like a big problem for us because um, we I think we did a Kickstarter many many years ago um, with our first film. And it was really confusing for people, yeah, because they they couldn't figure out how the dollars translated to pounds, and um, and so it wasn't particularly successful the, the very first one that we did because um, we were just constantly fielding messages about you know the price difference, yeah, um, and then Indiegogo decided they were going to do kind of multiple currencies, um, and so that kind of was the the obvious choice for us when we came to do an, another one. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's, that's kind of why we chose Indiegogo. And then I think I'd now just kind of do it out of habit. <laughs> well, with, with the first one, when did you do your first one? Uh, well, we, we did a, a very, very small one um, a few years ago um, for Slasher House. Um, and it was just, we were offering like, it was like 30 quid and you got like a thank you credit on the film and a copy of the film and yeah. just, a little certificate or something like that. Um, and we didn't really have like a range of things. It was just um, trying to raise that bit of extra capital, you know, to, to fund some of the stuff for the film. Um, I don't, I, I think we raised about 350 quid um, hey, between, right. yeah. between uh, that. And um, we also did our own, like we, we had like a website and we kind of set it up as like purchases so people could just pay for it. And then, um, so I think with the, with the Indiegogo and um, and uh, what you call it, um, 
and our own thing we raised about 350 quid yeah um to, toward our toward our film which was which was pretty good at the time and it, it, this was back in the day when nobody trusted trusted kickstarter like when you mentioned them people yeah. would go like are you begging for money <laughs> ridiculous that's what that's what i was gonna ask like when i did my first one um oh god it was like pledge music i think again because kickstarter couldn't do um or just didn't do uh international uh projects um you know trying to even explain what it was was hard like trying how, how yeah like how th- times have changed yeah oh absolutely like i mean i never got the i no one came to me with the whole are oh, you begging for money sort of thing but i just don't think people really understood that if the project didn't succeed you didn't yeah. get any of the money and that kind of thing and how important it was and you know and and as well like with i think with kickstarter back in the day um the rule was if not it was certainly with pledge music the rule was that the project kind of already had to be at least finished or in production by that point but now yeah. i mean at, at this point you could you know there's like gofundme and stuff like that where you don't even have to have anything set up and if you can get people's trust then oh yeah great but i mean it's it's putting a lot of you know uh, a lot of trust in someone with like potentially no reputation or anything like that and i I guess you have to be like have the gift of the gab did you have to now you're on your like you know you've done several of these do you feel like I'm, i'm guessing the trust has already built to the point where you don't have to be too far along in the production to feel confident enough to set up a indiegogo or whatever yeah i think so i think um i think we've kind of built that reputation over time so i think of you know um because there was a there was there's a real problem with people funding you know films for much more than we're asking for you know yeah you've got people people raising you know 20 30 40 50 grand and then the film never materializes um and, and, you know, um, and that's caused a big problem because people don't know who to trust. You know, people are, are dubious about backing projects. Yeah. <clears throat> and those, um, those people never get the money back, I assume. Yeah, you know, well, this, this is part of the problem, really, is that people don't get their money back if because it's it's a kind of it's a donation based yeah. thing. So there's it's not really a transaction. Um, <clears throat> so we, we have to work. I mean not hard but you know we we we've always made sure that people get their what they you know what they've ordered and um you know by hook or by crook we get it finished for those people you know that's what what it comes down to and i think over time we've built we've built we've built a reputation that we uh, we deliver on what we promise um and we always try to kind of deliver a little bit more if we can you know so i think that's that's the only reason um we've kind of kept being able to keep doing it absolutely one of the one of the first pieces of advice that i usually give to anyone who's doing a kickstarter maybe for, for the for the first time is to try and offer things that ideally cost you no money so then yeah you know, yeah but at the same time that's kind of <coughs> hard to do because i think people like i know people say that like you know I know it's a bit of a blanket statement, but people say like physical media is like potentially dead and stuff like that. But I think with Indiegogo and crowdfunding, people want the physical product. Oh yeah, like, I mean, DVDs a, are still our biggest thing that people go for. Yeah. Um, every time, like I always think, oh, maybe we we'll do away with DVDs now. You know, 
Um, but every time, it's the the thing people order the most. So, um, do you think that's because? Um, well, I don't know. I, I, it, it's kind of hard to explain. Like, I know people kind of prefer the physical thing, and it means that there's more of a direct contact with the with the filmmaker as well, which I guess people like to have. Um, but do you find that um, you know because you've had your you've had your projects and films on like Amazon Prime as well? Do you feel that it, that has been a bit of an unfulfilling like um, experience? Uh, well, I mean, in some ways, I mean, you've got, I, I find that you've got kind of two camps of people who watch our films, really. And you've got the people who support it from the get go, um, you know, um, and and kind of fun, help us fund it. Yeah. Um, and they get it first. And then you've got the people who order it, like, you know, on DVD the day it comes out or whatever. So that's a smaller segment of people. Yeah. And then you've got a wider audience who'll wait, you know, a couple of years till it's free on Amazon Prime mm. and they'll watch it there. Um, and they're all very kind of different different experiences, if you know what I mean. I mean, um, not necessarily with with the with the people, but like actually working with other companies as well and kind of putting your trust in their ability to promote it and stuff like that. Do you prefer still to just do everything yourself? or? Well, I, I, we try to do as much as we can on our own because you have control over that. Once, once it's on Amazon, it's kind of out there, really. And, um, I mean, they do as little as they possibly can to actually <laughs> promote it. Um, and then as little as they possibly can to pay you as well. Um, <laughs> they actually go out of their way to pay you as little as like they, they really have. <laughs> recent, recent, recently, recently, they've reduced the rate of pay. Brilliant, right. So it was already a pittance. Yeah. And now they've gone, right, well, until you reach, you know, I think it's like half a million views or something, like, we're going to reduce the rate for you. And you go, oh. Thank you. Thank you so much. <laughs> so, I mean, what, what is the process to get something like that on Amazon? Because I'm assuming, like, just not every Tom, Dick and Harry can just have their project on Amazon Prime sort of thing. Well, well, I mean, technically they can, but it's just you've got to jump through a load of loopholes. It's, um, it's really about kind of um, you have to have it prepared in a certain format. You have to have things like captions done. Um, it's just a really time-taking process. And I think... If you're a lazy filmmaker, yeah, you just you just won't do it, you know, like, you know, because it's hard work. Was um, it was it a lot of things that you just never even considered before? Um, well, I, I mean, it's something that I've done on my own in the past, so it was something that we were kind of prepared for when we got there. Uh. Um, so I I thought it'd be much harder <coughs> than it was, but I realised that we kind of built the skill set to to get it up there. Um over the years yeah. so it was just a case of kind of adapting that to what amazon wanted um you know which was good which was which was handy mm. um and uh, to be quite honest i didn't expect amazon's user base to be quite so big um so that was a bit of a surprise for us when we did get them up there what were you, suddenly what were you expecting like numbers wise because it's like huge what like... I, I, I don't really know like you just kind of Put it up there and think, well, who's gonna watch, who's gonna watch my like? Because they've got, right, okay. you know, they've got like real films up there. So you think, oh. <laughs> <laughs> so you think, who's gonna watch my daft little, you know, kind of cheap bit of tat? And they, and they, um, well, people do. But do you find that? Sorry, go for it. And they tell you, and they tell you, they yeah. t- <laughs> you know, they tell you they have, and how disappointed they are. <laughs> um, 
It's good times. Oh, 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 oh. Oh. oh, I just want to give you a hug. Oh, um, <laughs> but did you find though that because it is like, you know, obviously horror. Do you um, is it like a subgenre that you label yourself as, or is it just horror? Um, well, it's weird because I never consider us just horror. Like right. every film we do, I try, I try to make it something different. You know what I mean? So. Um, what the idea is that they're kind of slasher movies, but we go, but what if a slasher movie was also like a Kung Fu movie <laughs> or, or, you know, a cop thriller or, uh, um, or a, or a haunted house, you know, kind of, uh, movie or a, a kitchen sink drama, you know, right. like what would that, what would that be like? And our latest one is I kind of, I wanted to do like a road movie, um, so I kind of went, right, well, what would like a, a slasher road movie be like? And that was kind of where, where the idea kind of came from, you know. So it's so although like because we're, we're kind of the characters are slasher villains. Yeah. Um, so what was it? What I always thought was interesting was to kind of tackle different genres, but with that as a kind of foundation. Uh. So but I mean, I would I, I often label them as whatever, you know, horror plus whatever it is that um that we've added to that to the mix for the particular film. Do, do, do you ever find that it's like a pain in the ass to do that? Because like almost like it's not for you to label it. It's like for the fans to label it and you know, and then judge it based off what. But at the same time, you kind of have to label it so that the fans can find you, <laughs> like sort of. Because like if it if it is niche, I would guarantee that there is like a fan base that you probably didn't even know about who are just or not necessarily a fan base, but just lots of people. Who have been screaming out for that kind of thing, sort of thing? Yeah. Like the more niche it is, the more, in a way, likely you're to find an audience because they'll be more appreciative and <coughs> hungry for what you're offering, sort of thing. Is that what you've found, or? Well, it's a bit, of, a bit of a difficult one because people really want to fucking label things. Like, oh yeah, yeah. You know, like as flat as possible, so they go, "Oh, you just make horror films, then, don't you?" And I go, "Well, you know, kind of." Um, and I know I just said that as well. I just like I know it's not my place to like. No, no, no. Yeah. But I mean, that's what people want to do. So it's yeah. it, it's a bit of a difficult one. So I mean, if you go through Amazon, like our films are listed all over the shop. Like so, if you go to Action, like some of our films will be in there. Do you agree with um, it when you look at it and you're like, one of your films is under Action? And you're like, mm, I don't know. Yeah, about well, I mean, some of our films are more action films than they are horror films. Really, Slasher House Two. Is is definitely more of an action film than it is a than, than it is a horror movie, yeah. but it's but it's an action film that stars kind of slasher monsters, you know. So it's um, I mean it's also it's also like a spy thriller, so it's like super <laughs> it's super fucking weird to try and um, but people still go, oh, it's called Slash House, so it must be horror. Yeah, and you go, oh, right, right, fair enough. Um, you know, so it's so you kind of you kind of start with that as a foundation and hoping that you kind of reach fans of other genres ah. through through that. You know, no, I, I, um, I, I get that. I, you know, it, it's almost like you know, if you do, it's kind of cherry on the cake sort of thing. Like it is, yeah. I yeah. mean, being a horror fan myself, you know, the the idea is that, like I say, you, you're still always aiming for your horror fans. You always want them to, but you're hoping that they come in expecting a kind of horror and leave going, oh, that was 
that was something different. That was something a bit more, you know. And that, so that's always the idea mm. behind it is just to to kind of take what people expect and just give them some something a bit unique. Um, yeah, you no, know, and, I, and that that's the idea, I guess. Totally. Um, well, the uh, new film Cleavers, uh, it runs in the family. I always thought of him as a family man. I think he's lovely. Like he's just, just, <laughs> oh yeah, you know, <laughs> it's quite right. You, you know, know what they I mean? say, you know, they're like, oh, yes, Cleaver, man about town, lovely chap. <laughs> See, I, 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 in my kind of, my, I think it's adorable that he's got a family. You know, it's just, like, yeah, well, you know, it's a uh, well. I mean, you know, we haven't seen in, in this film, we haven't seen him for ten years, so he's been up to something. You know. <laughs> You get, you get lo- you get lonely on the road. Oh, absolutely! Well, I love the uh, the main image on the Indiegogo picture. Like the Indiegogo, your Indiegogo is probably one of the most professional looking Indiegogo pages I think I've ever seen. I don't know, if, like it just allows you to do that because Kickstarter doesn't. Like you know, you've got banners, you've got artwork, you've got adverts for your previous films, you've got all sorts of stuff, and it looks incredible. And you know, well, thank you. Co- I, well, that that really comes from. Like, because I often get people go, oh, you donate to my thingy. And I go, yeah. And I look. And some people have still left, you know, like they leave like a template right. on, the, on the thing. Some people have like, <laughs> like, like just left that on. Oh, and God. I think, yeah. And I, I, like, I, I look at that and I think, oh, my God, I'd be so embarrassed. Yeah. So I've always made it a concert. I mean, I, my, my kind of ethos of it is that I'm asking people for money. So, you know, I want to show them that. At least where the money's going is with someone who who gives a crap. Yeah, well, you I've, know, I've, I've, what I've noticed as well is like because technically you really don't have to have any money or any production or anything to set one of these up uh, as long as you've got the gift of the gab. But I think at this point now, because so many people are doing Indiegogos and Kickstarters and pledge music and all that kind of thing, you have to be able to leave a really good first impression now with your presentation. Um, oh yeah, absolutely. You know, you can't just go. Oh, I'm making an album, except you know, because like I'm, I'm just about to launch uh, something for a project which isn't directly music related. But we did, we we did the video, and I was just like, no, we need to, we need just better backdrop, better sound, more confidence in the delivery and stuff like that. He's not happy about it that we're doing it, yeah. but at the same time, <laughs> I've done a few of these now, and you know, just from seeing other people's, but I'm, mean, you know, not asking for crane shots and stuff like that. It's just you know. Um, but there needs to be again that first impression and the fact that you know to show as well that you have grown from your previous projects as well because I mean it... oh yeah definitely and and that and that you care about what you're doing I think that's the big thing yeah um, you know like you just just look like you give a shit like yeah. you know that's a huge thing I think and I think that's what separates kind of like successful crowdfunders from unsuccessful ones. Um, is just you know like caring and then showing that that you care. Yeah. I think that's a huge, huge thing. Like because um, people are much more likely to kind of get behind you if you come in with you know a bit of passion and say like this is what we're doing and this is what it's going to look like and yeah. you know isn't it exciting? And if if you're excited, or I think other people get excited with you. Oh, absolutely. You know. Well, a, a part of the showing that you care as well is you know, going out of your own way to spend money on it even before the Kickstarter. Because, you know, there can be too much of maybe a reliance on, like, if you know that a decent chance that your Kickstarter is going to do well, then you don't have to 
spend any money beforehand sort of thing and I think you kind of have to even if the Kickstarter is there to make up for that money that you've spent but that's the I mean that is kind of the risk that you take but at the same time it it, it shows that you care and are willing to invest yourself it's it, again it's one of those things that if you're not willing to invest in your own project why oh would, yeah absolutely why would other people do the same sort of thing yeah 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 definitely 100 percent um I mean, I, I, at this point, I'm just used to all my money going on making making more films. You know, it's just like I get paid off a job, and I go, right, well, what can I spend that on to 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 make more? You know, no, to to make these films better. You know, and it's uh, so it, it kind of comes with the territory at this point. Oh yeah, no, and, and, you know, and people kind of forget as well how that a lot of you know people who do these kickstarters as well they are working like 40 hours a week or, you know, even more just to fund this sort of thing. Oh yeah. And, um, and I, I think it, the sincerity has to hopefully come across at how much this is your life as well. And, oh yeah. You absolutely. Know, and if you really want to see, you know, you know, there has to be like an investment like personality wise as well and you know i think that you do that really well and you know with your facebook posts as well which are like brutally honest sometimes oh yeah well this is an this is another big thing i think about i mean it, it, you know um i used to be you know i was very vocal about the music community as well but i think there's a lot of um kind of shady business goes on um, and just people just don't talk about it. And yeah. I think I think that's mad important to be honest about it. Like one of my frustrations coming up as a filmmaker was that I just couldn't get information out of anybody. Like everybody held their cards to their chest. Yeah. And I just needed information like to try and avoid these pitfalls and these traps. And no one would tell me anything. And I promised, I thought, if I ever find if I'm ever lucky enough to be in the position where I have that knowledge. Yeah. Then I, I'm going to share that because this is a massive problem, um, you know. And what? I mean, it, it causes me issues. It causes me issues elsewhere, but <laughs> um, but it's the right thing to do, I think. Yeah. Well, I mean, do, do you feel that you weren't getting like sort of this help and advice from professionals because they thought that you were trying to step on their toes? And well, I mean, I think a big problem is a lot of people kind of collect information. It's like a bit like Trump cards, you know what I mean? Right. And eventually people collect a good Trump cards, you know, um, I, I, I'm trying to think of, you know, of the Lamborghini yeah. of info of information in their, in their Trump card pack. And uh, then they, um, you know, and then they think, Oh, this is really valuable. You know, I better keep this to myself. And I think that's really unhelpful. Um, you know, and I think just people just talking about, things is really 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 helpful yeah um in in helping other filmmakers i mean when i again when when i when we were young coming up through college and um th like there was nothing on the internet about any you know about any of this stuff yeah um there was no youtube even like you know there, no, no, no one no one would there was nowhere to get advice from except people who'd been through it and they didn't want to tell you. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, that's including at college as well. <laughs> like the yeah. unhelpfulness of like some of the people at college was like ast oh, yeah. Yeah, astounding, really. Yeah. Well, it's amazing that like um, 
like I found over time that like even like tutors and teachers don't don't want to give you information, <laughs> and that's their job. Yeah. And you think, Christ, like what chance do I have? You know. So I, like like that was a big thing coming up that I promised that, you know, should I ever have valuable information, which I think that at this point I have a plethora of yeah. such, um, <laughs> that uh, that I would share it, you know. And so I've I've kept true to that promise, you know. Um, so uh, apart from Facebook posts, though, like, have you ever considered like doing college lectures yourself and all that kind of thing? Um, well, I, I do do the uh, I do guest lecturing every now and then. Yeah. Um, and we do, I do a show called the Micro Budget Massacre. Right. <laughs> uh, and it's basically just a show that kind of details uh, a lot of these things that I talk about on Facebook. You know, about like kind of the pitfalls of trying to sell your film. Um, because I think. I think it's weird, but when you talk to new filmmakers, people say, what's the hardest thing about filmmaking? And people go, writing, funding, you know. Um, and I think, oh, man, they're like early steps, you yeah. know. And I think once you get to distribution and trying not to get ripped off constantly, <laughs> like, <laughs> you go, if writing and funding are a problem, pal, I feel really sorry for you. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, because I think they are, you know, a piece of piss. Yeah, compared well, to just trying to get your film out there without someone going, thank you, I'll just take all the benefits of that. Yeah. Uh, and you go, you go, oh, what about all my hard work? And they go, uh, fuck you, buddy. Yeah. What? And you go, what, what? <laughs> you can see them in the distance <laughs> with their fingers up going, fuck you, fuck you, buddy. You what? <laughs> uh, and that's when you know, you go, oh, fuck. Do, do you feel like I got this at college um, with the music courses that I was on that part of the reason why you don't necessarily get the information that you need is because with all due respect to some of these lecturers, they're from a different generation and they really don't know what it takes in 2018 to be an indie horror filmmaker or an indie musician, etc. and get your music out there sort of thing. Cause well, yeah. I mean, like, there's a, there's a reason for that, I think. It's because... Um, it's kind of it used to be harder to make stuff yeah um and so if you just made something it was fairly easy to get it to market and sell it and and make money yeah. but initially it was harder to make things but i think as time's gone on in 2018 now it's really really easy to make stuff like you know i sit and record like on car journeys i record albums and stuff yeah you know um, because you just can now. I mean, I can record on my phone if I really wanted to. Yeah. Um, it's nuts. You can make films on your phone now. It's just, it's nuts. But the, the the downside of that is that now the production's easier. It's harder to make yourself stand out um, yeah. <clears throat> uh, on the other end. So that it's now harder to get to market. As but So the kind of roles have been reversed, really. Yeah. Um, and I think there's a, there's a real lack of understanding of that shift um, from the older generation. Do, do you feel that... Um, I'm starting to feel this way, and I never thought that I would, especially since I have a teaching degree as well, that if you don't necessarily need a qualification to get a job, then there doesn't necessarily have to be a course for that qualification. Because when I, when I, did, when I was teaching music, um, the students were bringing in better equipment than we had at the college. And we, yeah. we literally, 
you know, because we had to teach them using the equipment we had, and we wanted to show them things, but we couldn't because we didn't have the most up-to-date equipment. And yeah, they would literally know more than you on a lot of things in terms of like production and little, you know, especially with different types of music as well. Um, so I mean, how how do you feel about that? Do you feel that there needs to be like a, a complete overhaul on? how courses are delivered because I'm, I'm finding a lot more now that either students go to college and then you know basically for a skive and then they get bored of it and then leave if they're not serious about their instrument or their talent or whatever uh or want to pursue it or they leave because they feel they can actually just do it without the course like how do you how, what, what are your views on that well i mean I- it, I think in, in in today's age, like information is just everywhere. Like you know, um, like you can come home from school and go, I want to record music, and you yeah. can sit and watch like an evening of YouTube videos, and you got it, yeah. you're done. You know what I mean? Like as when I wanted to record music years ago, I, I had to sit through college for six months, yeah. you know, and and figure that out. You know, if I wanted to learn how to shoot um, film. I had to wait for my like hour hour long session every week mm. to kind of get another crack at it. You know what I mean? Um, and now people have their you know a camera on their phones. Cameras are really inexpensive, so they go home from school at like you know twelve thirteen years old and they sit and watch an evening of YouTube and they're a master of it like yeah. that. You yeah. know what I mean? Um, and while that information didn't used to be available, and now it is. Um, I found on on the other hand though that students have better equipment than I do. <laughs> so <laughs> so you've got all these student films being shot on like black magic cameras and red cameras and they look amazing. Uh-huh. And I'm I'm sat here with like, my cheap little, you know, five hundred pound um kind of self built rig. Yeah. You know, going, Oh, well I suppose it looks all right. <laughs> <laughs> you, know? <laughs> you know. And then these students come out and go, Yes, well I had a crew of thirty and I shot on the red one epic, you know, and it was just a rather brilliant experience. And I'm like, I'm like, um, I've got my, my little, well, the worst thing is now that you get people like young, young actors who've yeah. done student films and they come on my set and they look and yeah. they go, well, that's a really little camera, isn't it? Right. And like, I, I, I feel like, oh, bloody hell. Like, you know. Um, do, do you feel that, that we've, one thing about colleges as well that they kind of um, don't show you, like we, for and as an example, and I won't go too much into it, but basically with the college that I was at, um, a lot of their mindset was if you're gonna be a musician, you have to be a star, you have to be signed to a label, etc. They don't talk about like sort of you know uh, all the other potential job opportunities that you could make yourself like you know uh writing jingles or you know um even managing and stuff like that did you feel that that maybe is it's that way with film as well that you have to just buy the best equipment and it like the Um, the, the term that i hate is fucking industry standard um oh yeah like i hate it because it gives people the wrong impression and then you're just going to be chasing whatever the industry fucking puts out and spending all this money and not necessarily having anything of any substance. Well, uh, the, the, th- the thing is, people want what they don't know they want, if, right. you, if that makes any sense. Yeah. So, um, I mean, I've always found the best thing, the best advice you can give people uh, is just to 
to do what you're doing. Like it doesn't doesn't matter. Like you know, like try don't follow the trends. You know, be aware of it, but just do just be be your own because people people don't know what they want, and you've just you've got to stay true to what you are. Yeah. Um, and people will figure out if that's what they want or not. If you know what I mean. Um, and I think um there should be more emphasis on people kind of finding their own unique voice because that's the problem is that that. um, there's kind of a mainstream understanding of success. That's not a real understanding at all. It's like, you know, it's, um, it's kind of like, Oh, well, if you want to be famous now, become a YouTube star, but that's such like a daft blanket statement. Like, you know, like, like that happens for like maybe one in a million YouTubers, Yeah, you know, Um, and I think you're much better off kind of finding your own path because like one thing I've learned over time is that no one's success story is the same. Yeah. Like everybody found their, their, their way and their opportunity and their success by, by drastically different means, Mm. you know what I mean? And I think, um, so I think like going and getting signed to a label, um, it's just, like that's such a blanket statement, you know what I mean? And then there's levels of labels, yeah. you know, no, and, and things like that. It's it's such a it's such a kind of close-minded, and it sh- to me it shows um, a lack of understanding of how um, the music industry works and the film industry is to go. This is how you become famous because I mean, for for me, when I was at university. Because I went to uni basically just to use their gear because they had better equipment than I did. <laughs> I know a few people who did that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, um, their their advice was always, "Well, you start as a runner and you just work your way up, um, you know, and eventually you kind of start working in the job you want to do." And I thought, "Well, I'm not really interested in that." Yeah. You know. Um, I kind of, I kind of want to do what I'm doing, really, and so I thought, well, no, no one's going to just hand me the opportunity to do what I want to do. So I created my own opportunity. Yeah. Um, and that was my my kind of way in. Is I just started started doing it, um, little by little, and um, and over time, um, you you build up your contacts and you build up your um. You know, and um, I mean, it's it's a slower path, I think, but it's a path that's mine. Oh yeah, absolutely. I I, I do one one advantage of uh, college and universities is that you are going to be around a lot of like-minded people that you can make contacts with, and you know, um, build up working relationships with and stuff like that. I just from the music side, and we've probably talked about it before, but I just think, and fuck it, I'll mention them: Newcastle College. Um, when <laughs> Well, you know, um, when yeah. when basically the whole Joe McEldry thing happened, that really set an unrealistic, you know, they were like, oh, shit, like, you know, we could actually, you know, milk this and um, kind of show people, look, that's what can happen if you go to college, even though you left college, you know, halfway through his course and still got his degree and not that I'm fucking still bitter about it. But um, so, like, you know, I'd... I always say, my example is, you don't do a cookery course to be on MasterChef, you know what I mean? Like, like it, it's such a weird... Yeah, And no, one, no wonder, like, the, the kids get, like, 
unmotivated and um, don't want to be on the course anymore and all that kind of thing. And, you know, they just... I, I want there to be these courses, but they just don't do a very good job a lot of the times at marketing themselves and showing what they can offer. And that's why their classes are dwindling and and it doesn't help when you have like you know uh the education secretary i don't think she's there anymore but uh once she said like there's not many jobs in music and art so we're just gonna cut the funding basically and i'm like well there's not many fucking jobs in as a vet there's one vet you know what i mean <laughs> like there's just yeah. like fucking so it's just i yeah that does my head in a little bit and I'm i'm kind of i'm kind of on the fence about like courses generally um you know, because I think, like, and again, I know a lot of teachers and they are really good, but I think generally teaching standards go down and, you know, it, it becomes more for those who couldn't make it. You know, that whole thing, if you can't do teach sort of thing, I think that's becoming yeah, yeah. more prevalent now. But, and I've, like, it, put it this way, if all of these courses could create 30 international filmmakers per year, or 30, you know, chart musicians per year, they wouldn't be getting the funding cut, but at the same time, then it would be too fucking easy at that point. So, like, you know, I think there needs to be, you know, I don't think you can shoot down people's hopes and dreams, but you have to really make it clear that this shit isn't easy, but there are other opportunities out there, and you can create oh, your yeah. own, like, like you say. So, yeah, that, that I think, was... I think, I think a big problem is that people don't listen to you when you tell them it's not easy. <laughs> the youngins. Um, <laughs> like... I, like because I've I've had I literally I've had people say to me when I made my first film yeah um people said to me like well if you can do it like anybody can. <laughs> <You> know, like, <laughs> cheers like, that sounds like a compliment ish <laughs> or like or like the, the, someone said to me what did he say he said um <clears throat> he said when I heard you'd made a film I thought you like how <clears throat> and I was like cheers. Like, well, it's hard, and I've worked at it yeah. over the years, you know, and I'm not naturally good at things. Like, I never have been. Right. Um, it takes me a lot, a lot, a lot more work than it does some people to um, to become good at something. Mm-hmm. But I've, I've, I've always been willing to put that time in. Oh, certainly. Um, yeah, yeah. You know, but I think I tell people how hard it is. You know, I say, look, like, it is, it is, like, my entire life is now, has been changed and geared towards doing what i'm doing because it has to be because it's that it's that hard to do it yeah um and you tell people you say like i want to be a filmmaker and you go well yeah that that honestly that's great and i really think you should just understand that it's very very hard and i mean you have to give up a lot of stuff you have to sacrifice a lot to do it and they go well if you could do it you know and you go <laughs> Thanks, buddy. Yeah, you know. I, I, I think I'm, I'm. I mean, I'm sure the 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 what's the word? The, um, you know, they mean well. <laughs> say it, but I don't think it yeah. comes across very well. Um, but you know, I, I, I think, you know, I don't think it's your job to like say that to like kids. Like, if I can do it, anyone can do it. But I think it's just. Yeah, you know, I think that you have the ability and the, you know, the the platform to be able to motivate and inspire, uh, and I think you are doing that as well. And um, you know, it, 
it's been really great to see as well because like I've known you for about eight hundred years now. Um, I know it's it's getting on to it's coming up on a millennia, <laughs> I believe. <laughs> well, well, from I'll buy you a gift. Um, for um, so I mean, you know, it, and you're one of the only people that I know who has really continued to pursue it without really venturing outside of what you did at college. Sort of thing. You have been like, right, I want to make, I want to make horror films, and you know, continue down this line. Whereas, like, did you ever get, like, sort of tempted to take up other opportunities within the industry sort of thing? Like, if they came um, away? I mean, I've, I've, I've done it. I've worked the crappy jobs, but... Um, You've done, like, the, also... get the coffee and all that kind of stuff. Oh, so. yeah. 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 On, um, you know, and on really big, big, big budget stuff, um, you know. So I've had my toes in, the, you know, my fingers in all, all different types of pies. Yeah. Um, you know, um and but the, all that's done is strengthened my resolve. Really, I've you know I've gone and done the, been the coffee boy and the you know the the grunt at the bottom of the pile, and yeah. it's strengthened my resolve really because <clears throat> I mean, like you get you get treated like crap. The more the, I always find the more money involved in it, the more they treat you like shit. Right. Um, and like I just I feel like it doesn't have to be like that, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and so that you, that applies back to your work as well. Is you kind of um, you go, well, I didn't like being treated like shit. Um, and what a lot of people do is they go, well, people treat me like shit, so I treat them like shit, you know. <laughs> yeah. uh, but I, I've always taken the opposite. I go, well, I, well, I, didn't, I didn't like people treating me like crap. Yeah. I probably shouldn't do that to other people if I didn't like it. You know what I mean? Yeah, um, definitely. definitely. And um, so, go for it, sorry. <clears throat> um, and so that's, all, that's always been kind of applied back to my, to my work and the way I approach it. And then um, through that, you know, you start to feel like, oh, well, I kind of want to encourage other people to feel like this as well. Like, you know, feel like there is another way. They don't have to go, to, you know, they don't have to go that road where people are just going to treat them like crap all the time. Yeah. Um, and for a job that they don't necessarily want to do. Yeah. You know, um, and I mean, because you do, you get tempted to take on like the wedding videos and the <clears throat> and the corporate stuff. And I do, I do the odd bit here and there as favours. Um, you know, um, but never, it's never been a, a pursuit of mine to go and do that. Yeah. You know, it's just something that you kind of, because being a filmmaker um, and kind of being a videographer, sometimes kind of just cross over, like, and people think it's all the same thing. So yeah. they go, oh, I'm shooting an event. Can you come and do this? Because you, you do that, don't you? And you go, well, <laughs> <laughs> well, not really, but, you know, yeah, okay, I can come and do that, you know. Uh, well, um, talking about the Indiegogo, you've you're well, you are past your um your target. We are now, yeah. But that should not be a reason to not check this out as well, because um, I I I find that you know you, you ask for the most modest amount possible and most realistic, but like you could really do with a bit more <laughs> sort of thing. Well, yeah, I mean, when when we set a goal, what I do is I, I work out what I can do it for. Yeah. And then I try and half that. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I think what's like the lowest what's the lowest I can make this film on yeah. and I go right how can I cut that in half okay so now that's what we'll ask for you know because again, again you know because um, I see a lot of people they've never made a film before and they go out and they ask for like a hundred grand right. and I go oh Christ like yeah. and I think like listen like I'd, you know I'd, we don't want like the lap of luxury we just want enough to make a film. Yeah. Um, 
you know, and, and make it kind of our way. So our, our initial goal is kind of like the bare basics, you know, mm. what we need to kind of make sure people don't starve to death and, <laughs> um, you know, and, and um, that there's something to film. See, there, there's, um, a, there's <clears> an incentive. You know, if you don't want people to starve to death, donate to uh, this Indiegogo because people, yeah. people will die. Um, yeah, no, yeah. I like literally the, the more money we make, the, the you know, it's like this. Every time I snap my fingers, <laughs> an, actor, an actor dies of starvation. <laughs> um, you, but you can help by uh, by donating to the Cleavers campaign. Uh, and, <clears throat> um, and, and with this Indiegogo as well, there's still tons of really cool uh, stuff available. You've got USB sticks, and it's all branded as well. Like you've got uh, oh, yeah. obviously you've got the Blu-ray, you've got uh, your past releases, you've got uh, posters, you've got scripts. You can be an associate producer. Um, you can have props from the movie, which I think is really cool. Um, co-producer credit, uh, maximum cleavage. <laughs> come the on, classic, come on, like the classic package. I mean, I'm amazed no one, no one's taken us up on that just because of the the name of it. <laughs> yeah, I'm a, I'm a sucker for puns. I've got to say, so maximum cleavage, brilliant. Well, there's, there's you know, there's uh, the third one in the trilogy. Well, uh, funnily you should say that. Oh, that's really? kind of the working title potentially for the next <laughs> the next film <clears throat> because so, people have en- people have enjoyed the pun so much. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. That, that we've I've kind of gone. Oh, yeah. Maybe maybe that's our maybe that's our next title. Well, you you've built on your universe, and uh, now you know again. Cleaver has a family. Legendary killer clown, family man, father, and deadly serial killer. Beautiful. Um, yeah. And is it important? Because obviously, there's an investment in these characters as well. So, do you? I, I, obviously, you get a lot of enjoyment from building a universe. So, do you plan to like? Um, and a, like apologies if you've already done this, but like, do you plan to eventually maybe even do like crossovers and all that kind of thing within your own universe? <clears throat> well, um, our first film was the crossover, which is a bit of a weird right. <laughs> kind of thing. Okay. So we did we did a cross. We, the first film was a crossover because initially the idea was to make these little films ah. and put them in blockbuster, and then we'd get to Slasher House and people who'd been paying attention, you know, people who rent the kind of low-rent horror like me yeah. at Blockbuster, people who'd been paying attention would suddenly go, hang on, that's that guy from that film and that guy from that film and that guy from that film. Right. And we, the idea was just to not make a fuss about it, just do it, you know, get them released in kind of on bottom-shelf Blockbuster. Uh, and, then they, and then they fucking went out of business, didn't I they? I know. How, 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 <laughs> much, how much do you miss Blockbuster? I like it too much. Yeah. <laughs> like, it makes me super, super sad. Um, there's so, nothing, nothing then, like it going out on a Friday night to Blockbuster choosing your film oh and, man uh, yeah. like I used to love it it was my favourite thing to do in the world uh, um, uh, yeah. so uh, that happened and uh, but I'd kind of had this idea and then we found out that there was like a similar film that sounded a bit like sla- the Slasher House idea right was being made um, in Hollywood so I was like fuck like this is my this is my favourite idea uh, that I have so we kind of blitzed out and did it before anybody else could. Brilliant. And then that fi- that film just never came to fruition, the Hollywood one. Um, but then Blockbuster went out of business, and I was kind of just stuck with this, um, with th- this kind of interconnected universe thing that I'd kind of come up with, uh. and and one film, um, <laughs> and kind of nowhere to put it. So I kind of went, ah, fuck it, let's just do it anyway, you know. Yeah. Um, so we did. Um, 
and that's kind of, it's kind of carried. So now the Slash House movies have kind of become like springboards for like introductions to like new characters. Yeah. And then we kind of branch out from there and kind of give them their own movies and, um, you know, depending on who's popular, like Cleaver was obviously quite a popular one when we did the first film. Yeah. Um, he's only in it for 10 minutes <laughs> in the first one, but the, the, our UK distributor put him on the cover. Right. Okay. Um, which was a massive problem because people were angry about yeah. it. <laughs> I can imagine. Like, yeah. I get email. I used to get emails threatening to take me to court. Amazing. Because people had spent like seven quid on this DVD at Asda. Uh. And then the clown on the cover dies in the first 10 minutes. And they were like, I've taken you to trade and standards. I'm going to sue you. And I was like, I didn't make that decision. Yeah. I was actually really, I was mad about that decision. Uh. Um, but uh, people people really liked him. So uh, we said, well, well, let's give him his own film. Yeah. Um, I've I've seen films like that as well. Like as a as a wrestling fan, you see many B movies with uh, wrestlers, you know, thinking that the this is their springboard to a Hollywood career. And it's only, oh yeah, yeah. You know, uh, so there's a one with Rob Van Dam and Batista where uh, Rob Van Dam's the star of the film. Batista's really got a small role, but because he's the bigger name in wrestling, he's on the oh, cover. Yeah. And there's just a tiny picture of Rob Van Dam, and that must happen. <laughs> that must happen quite a lot. Um, oh yeah, all the time. Yeah, <laughs> well, look, uh, the, this has been a lot of fun, and we'll not leave it two years until the next time. But um, Indigo, yeah. the, there will be a link below the show uh, because if I try and read out the uh, the URL, it you know it would be impossible. Yeah, be there forever. If you go to Indiegogo and search <laughs> cleavers, um, you'll probably find either um, a, a range of cutting edge kitchenware yeah. <laughs> or or our film. Yeah, um, I'm just thinking, I, this is insider, but oh, sorry, go for it. Yeah, sorry. I said, well, I suggest you invest in both if you find them. Oh, you know, well, um, you know, this is um, in, this is insider, but like the cleavers, uh, you know, the actual kitchen utensils will be hosted by Sasha. <laughs> <laughs> I've still got, I've still got the video. I'm telling you, we're gonna have John Marley Fest at some point. <laughs> oh, I would love it. It's I good. would love it. Like, uh, yeah, I, I think it's been long enough now where I don't think I'd get embarrassed about watching that stuff. Like, when, at the end of the John Marley course, I was like, right, I'm taking a load of these tapes because they'll just get lost. And yeah. uh, and eventually, you know, we'll do something with it because, I mean, it's been, oh God, like 16 years, maybe? Maybe a bit less. But um, the, the only one that I don't have is that shite musical that I did. But, like, I've got, like, raw footage of various... Uh, Various things. I'm sure we've talked about this before, but we've got I've got like raw footage of a Victor portrait of a madman. Really, <laughs> I do. Man, yeah. I always wonder, I always wondered it, what happens. It cuts from whatever project we were doing, some kind of news project, because we just had to use the same tapes over and over again. So you would have like, you know, it's like when you yeah. tape, tape something off the telly and then it cuts into something else after it. Um, so it cuts straight to Amph. Uh, dip in a tampon in some fake blood or into some food colouring and um, then just the perfect line of uh, Stephen Burns like eating the tampon and going oh I used to love tampons especially with the virgins (laughs) 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 everyone couldn't hold that in I don't know if that was included in the final thing but I I really hope I don't even I don't remember people's reactions to it now but I can only imagine that at the time I was pretty proud of myself (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and, and looking back on it, 
I would be horrified <laughs> that I'd ever presented that to the world. You know. Yeah, I hope I can imagine Clive watching it and just like you know just having a heart attack. Yeah, but oh man, what were we thinking? Were we even thinking at all? <laughs> <laughs> well, see, I wanted to do media to get into radio, I thought, and um, as things have turned out, you can just spout any old shite on a podcast now and just, you know, throw it out there, which is, it's made life easier for people, but at the same time, everyone's doing it, so uh, that's why I have to have really good quality guests to talk about, like, dipping tampons and. Uh, and then, and, but then, and then sometimes me also. Well, yeah, well, yeah. Um, <laughs> you know. Uh, yeah, send, send us your most handsome picture, and I'll, I'll use that as the thumbnail, because that's what will get all the listeners. I will, I um, will. I'll, see, try and, I'll try and find a... Uh, I'll try and find the worst one I can. <laughs> well, I, I, I've probably got some terrible ones from college. Andrew Rumley probably has. He keeps every picture I think ever taken ever. So, um, he, well, he, he's the picture collector, isn't he? He is. He is. So yeah, now nah, I may have to ask him for <laughs> to dig through the archives. But uh, for a cl- for a classic. Mike Dixon pose. For a classic Mike Dixon pose, of which there are many. So yeah, Indiegogo, uh, Cleavers, it runs in the family. There is six days to go. Um, there is still a shit ton of really cool stuff up for grabs, and you shouldn't miss out on it as well. And you can uh, also own his entire, well, not entire back catalogue, but like since he really started taking stuff seriously. You don't get Victor Portrait of a Madman in this. Uh... No, no, sadly, <laughs> sadly. It might, might be included on a, a, as a special feature in future releases. <laughs> um, well, we've got every, everything that stars Cleaver you can pick up on there. Um you know, so if you don't know who Cleaver is, then you got no. You can you can find out. You can there's or every every feature length appearance that he's had, you yeah. can you can pick up and, and catch up with the, the the saga of Cleaver. And and I hate to do this, but it you know because there's uh, at the bottom of the Indiegogo page, there's like if you like this project, you may also be interested in. But for those listening to this podcast who don't know anything about you or your project. What would you say if you are into check this out sort of thing? If you like anything, this is for you. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's, uh, I can't think of if you if you breathe oxygen, yeah. this is the film for you. But yeah, if you you know if if you're into if you're into you know horror stuff um, or indie filmmaking or um, or just people making their own shit on spit and glue and tape, you know, yeah. um, then we are, we are the, the ultimate pit stop on, on, on spit and glue, <laughs> spit, glue, bit of spit, bit of glue, bit of tape. Right. Done. Okay. Film. okay. Film. <laughs> yeah. This, you know. this, this podcast is held together by coat hangers. I think so. Yeah. I, yeah. I don't yeah, totally understand that. Um, you know. I, well, look, thank you for doing this. And we, I'm, no we're, problem, we're, having me. I haven't seen you since you came up with your band. So like, we're going to have to organize something at some point. Um, we should, yes. Because I, I don't know if you get to the northeast too much at this point, but um, not very often. But when I do, you shall be the first to know. Wonderful, and I will try and make it down as well. But uh, well, for a premiere, if nothing else. Yeah, um, I will definitely be down there for that. So, um, right, okay. Well, we will talk again soon, and uh, thanks again. And everyone, 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 check out indiegogo.com. I'm going to read it out, forward slash projects, forward slash cleavers, hyphen, it, hyphen, runs, hyphen, in, hyphen, the, hyphen, family, hyphen, horror, hashtag, forward slash. 
There, there is a shorter one. But I have no <laughs> idea. I, I have no idea how to find it. <laughs> that, that's okay. There will be links everywhere, all over Facebook, all over iTunes. Because like this is a this is a very uh, different kind of special. So like I'm gonna get all the stuff out of the way while you're on the phone, uh, on the phone, um, on on the Skype. Um, you know, so thank you, to, uh, thank you to my sponsors. Do check them out. Fifteen surefire tips for relieving back pain. Great book if you. Uh, you know, have a really bad back and want everyday tips to cure those problems. Um, I've been told that it's not 100% cure because, <laughs> like, you make it <laughs> Um But, yeah, no, thank you to thank you to Andrew for that. Uh, if you want to check out, uh, if you want to help support the show, there's a big green button at the top of the page, a Patreon button, which is basically give me money for free, but I try and give you stuff in return. Do check out toxicmelons.bandcamp.com because that's where I sell all me daft music. And, um, yeah, it helps keep the show running and helps keep me alive and helps to keep the cats uh, living in the life of luxury that they currently are so yeah thank you again to mj dixon and i will thanks for me and i will we well he won't but um <laughs> he, won't, he won't well just invade <laughs> the knows? show next week <laughs> yeah <laughs> Any, anything can happen on pablo's pop and podcast i will see you yeah. all next week goodbye goodbye, goodbye.